I think someone's having a party in the corridor. Let me get personal with you for a second. So, I live in this, well, tall building in the middle of an intersection in Taipei um, with, I think, 90 of my classmates. This is the reality during which I produce this podcast. I'm currently sitting in lotus position, recording under a sink covered in a blanket and pillows. Very professional, right? This is the glamorous life I currently live. The reason why I'm recording in the bathroom is because my room is directly facing the intersection, so it's a bit loud. I think they passed. The scripts and research were done mainly lying on my bed, wearing my massive noise-canceling headphones, blasting medieval Gregorian chants on full volume. squinting at my screen thinking, damn, I really need a new prescription. The narration, including this one, spoken and recorded under the sink. The editing was done curled up into a ball at my desk in the corner of my tiny room, which I share with my roommate Barbara. No, it has not been glamorous, nor easy, nor always super fun. But man, I've learned a lot. Oh, right. This is Clara here for the last episode of Collecting Histories this time around. All right. Okay, so this is an exciting day because we are opening a new unit on borders and identities. This is my history professor talking back in February 2019. I'm taking a class called Comparing Societies and Histories, the Impact of Time and Place, and this recording is from one of those classes. Since all of our classes are online, so are the recordings. On the screen are small live feeds of me and my 17 classmates, as well as my professor. I'm wearing red lipstick, so we know I'm dying on the inside. I had not understood the readings for this class. Today, we are going to be focusing on the nation state. Um, we'll try to understand right, how the nation state arose, became the key geopolitical actor and a powerful locus of identity in the 19th and 20th centuries and beyond. So what was Homi Baba's point? I'm on. Um, so he was kind of situated at the linguistic turn. And I guess the reason- at this point, I get featured on the main stage of the screen, my face enlarged for everyone to see. I'm looking out into the distance and seem to have lost all contact with my brain. To give you an insight into what's going on in there at this exact moment, I would like to play you this sound. That's the sound of a balloon deflating. Later on in the class, my professor asked me, so um, a few people have brought up Skay, who is writing about um, Billig's concept of banal nationalism. But wh what does banal nationalism refer to? One of the concepts and work this very podcast ended up being based upon. Clara, can you start us off? Yeah, I was just going back to my notes, if that's okay, really quick. Code for, uh, what? Blush, blush, blush. What color is the tomato? Or Didi, why don't you start us off, and then Clara, I'll have you expand. 
I do not know what's going on, but I think that my obvious and very frustrating inability to understand these theories of nationalism fueled a burning need for actually, you know, getting them. Little did I know that this frustration would lead to one of the biggest obsessions I've ever had. A month after this, from my part, disastrous class, I started off by publishing the first episode of Collecting Histories in March 2019, an episode about Argentina. It took me a long time to write and produce that episode. I'm not going to say that I regret its existence. I needed to publish something to get a feeling of what I was getting myself into, but I think that everyone can relate to that uncomfortable feeling of looking back at the first attempt of a long and challenging project. I would do a lot of things differently if I made it today. Like, tone down on the dramatic scene setting, problematize a dominant and sometimes problematic narrative, and use better software to edit the episode. But this episode really helped me understand what national narratives are, what effects they have on people, as well as their role in political and historical discourses. What I very quickly learned was that, well, publishing a one-woman show is hard. It wasn't just, you know, sitting down one day, writing a stream of consciousness script, recording it, and then publishing it. Oh no. Even that first episode, the rather simple one portraying Argentina's national narrative as is, came out of several interviews, months of researching, reading old reports from colonists, learning about copyright laws, interviewing again and then transcribing. Don't even get me started on the transcribing. Before I found a program that would do it for me and actually do it well, I was close to quitting on this whole thing in the process of the brain-dead work of plotting down every single word in hours worth of interviews. But I also learned that just pretty much copy-pasting a narrative wouldn't do in the long run, and I would have to make some kind of argument about nations and their stories. Which scared me to no end. Little me making big arguments to be published? Well, by myself, but nevertheless. Over the summer, I worked my butt off and got nothing done. Fall came around and I was moving to London, I had to get a move on. For four months, I wrote words, deleted words, read millions of research papers, listened to national anthems, banged my head against the wall, Impulse bought a gigantic whiteboard to bang my head against instead, and somehow finished seven episodes. Those were the ones you've likely already listened to. The point of this series has been to examine why on earth we identify with nations, or more like the narrative versions of them which we're fed. Remember this quote from episode three about Sweden? You know, it's just... That's Oscar. So interesting how such... How how a lie, blatantly a lie like that, an imagined community like that, can become so strong that if you're even if you're so so far apart from each other, if you're so separated, it's it still you know resonates with you. Like it'll still feel like you have a bond with them. As has likely become apparent, the more episodes you've listened to. I believe wholeheartedly in the postmodern arguments and explanations of the nation. I have legitimately considered printing a picture of Homi K. Baba, a Harvard professor of postcolonial studies and the guy we discussed way back in that Theories and Nationalism class, and putting it over my desk for academic and spiritual guidance. No, I haven't, 
yet. Homie Baba and this other smart guy called Michael Billig, whose theory I was trying to explain earlier in that class as well, both argue that the nation only exists in the perpetual narration of itself, according to Baba, or in the everyday reminding itself of its existence, as argued by Billig. And it was these two notions that even started this whole project for me. Realizing the storytelling and public nature of their, to me, very convincing theories and definitions of the nation, it seemed rather early on that a podcast would be one of the best ways to explore these notions using their own weapon, public storytelling. It would also be a useful addition to the publicly available and popularly adjusted field of history podcasts, none of which seem to question the more foundational and academic concepts underlying the national histories many of them seem to talk about. Throughout the production of the series, I learned a lot about how one produces a podcast on a non-existent budget. Recording under a sink and ideating on whiteboards with me, myself, and I, having internal discussions and debates about the best way to create, formulate, and stick to a through line, which sections of an interview to feature, and how to best tell a very complicated story using understandable words and examples. I've had to teach myself how to tell the story at hand in the best way, and how to edit and mix sounds. But I've also, and I hope that you've too, learned a lot about different national narratives around the world, how and why they're communicated in the way they are, as well as who created them in the first place. The series offers a conceptual journey, going from the rather upfront examination of Argentina's national narrative as told by my classmate Sofia in episode 1, to a more critical examination of why a national narrative has to be relatively consistent across the entire nation for it to serve its purpose, through the lens of the American narrative. A quick detour into the exploration of who gets to tell a story in the bonus episode about entitlement, episode 3 about Sweden gives a look into the history of a narrative itself, as well as at the very founders of the narrative, and why it looked like it did. Following this, episode 4 about India looks closer at the very symbols that make up a narrative, and how they've been used by political actors to make their politics more legitimate in the eyes of the nation, before finally using Britain as a way of exploring the labels of a nation, what they mean for those who use them, as well as why they're so important for the nation itself. Having taken an explicitly postmodern and to some extent deconstructivist perspective to look at these nations, I wasn't surprised to see just how similar each narrative is when you look at it up close. Their purposes are the same, as well as oftentimes the structure through which they tell their story. Everything points to the need and want for members to feel connected, represented, and understood by something greater. But, as my hero Baba argues, the inherent nature of these nations is constructed, and what's more, continually changes in its perpetual narration of itself. Therefore, these narratives will always change, and each time the perspective and angle you look at it from will produce a different answer to the question, what is this nation, and why do people, we, identify with it? What you've heard throughout the series has been my perspective and opinions, alongside those of people I interviewed and hundreds of research papers worth of opinions, thoughts, and evidence. Yet, you don't have to agree with me. 
A big part of why I wanted to do this project in this particular way was to encourage people to think beyond some of their structures that they've been conditioned into, to ask some of the bigger questions in a more accessible format. Because as much as I love Homibaba and his works, his writing is a bit dense. If you indeed have had thoughts throughout this series, I would love to hear them. Comment on posts on Facebook, Instagram, write to me through the forum on the blog, or, I don't know, send me an email at clara at collectinghistories.com, and I shall be forever grateful. This epilogue marks the end of this journey. In two weeks, I'm handing in the final version of my senior's thesis, of which these eight episodes will be the centerpiece. Though it'll be amazing to finally have a life again that does not involve a 150 pages long document and hours upon hours spent under the bathroom sink, I have this strange, almost maternal feeling in my chest. It feels as if I'm saying goodbye to a child leaving for the great wide world. Goodbye darling, take care of yourself. Having seen this project through from the very start to its very finish, I'm feeling all of the feelings seeing it end. But who knows, after graduation in May 2020, maybe I'll be back with more. Who knows? I want to take this opportunity to thank people who've been there to help me through this whole thing. First, Mom, Dad, and Ely. Our group chat has truly made me feel loved and validated every time I felt like a pile of garbage about this whole thing. Professor Woods Bucket, thank you for pushing me to get this done and better. Barbara, again, thank you for letting me have the bathroom and for never rolling your eyes at me. Thank you to Mika for always boasting me when I feel like even though I probably should have just sucked it up. A massive thanks to all my friends who have agreed to be interviewed or recorded for some recording less quote I wanted to feature, even though you're all super busy. Also, thanks to Nick, without whom I couldn't have finished my section about who on earth my audience is. Thank you. Now, goodbye, hedo, adios, and farewell. Till next time. As always, music credits are in the bibliography. <laughs>